Hey, what's up? This is Japan Nick uh, signing on for the night. I've got special guests in the house. Uh, Apathy from Clifton, New Jersey, here for uh, a special exclusive interview on WMSC right now. Now, can you guys each introduce yourselves? Tell me your name as well as the position you play. Um, Pete Wells, I'm the guitarist and uh, vocalist for the band. Bill Jamison, drummer. Oh, I'm Daniel Cadena, I'm the lead guitar player. We have Florencia, the bassist. Awesome. Now, I'd like to speak to you about um, your album, NEP. Like, what type of message do you think you're able to convey to people who heard your album and EP or saw a live show by Apathy? Our messages? Um, the message just was, you know, just playing metal, just, you know, writing about, you know, just things that go on, whether it's ourselves or you know like self-loathing you know political issues you know it wasn't something like we set out to do like hey you know let's write about this or write about that it just came to be you know and uh it was just it just happened to be funny that we're sitting around as we're doing the album we go hey man look at these songs they're pretty disturbing you know so uh i would say the album a decade of violence is um, more or less about just everything that's going on you know just decades of craziness yeah yeah also when you when you see us live you're gonna you're gonna get energy. That's what we want. That's what we want. People when they come to see us, they know, no matter what, they're gonna get kicked in the teeth by us. Yeah, we've never had a bad show from what I've heard. No one's ever said, "Hey, you guys didn't do a good job," you know. So that's I don't know. That's pretty much it. <laughs> what do you hope people take away from your shows? That um, like is an important thing or part of your message that you believe the songs just like the songs a lot of bands out there we all discuss it a lot of bands you can play as heavy as you want as crazy as you want and then all of a sudden people walk out the building and they're like oh man you guys were great but they can't remember a song you played i mean danny didn't you have a what happened to you danny was in the city and so wow, i was in the city one time uh actually at the grammar theater and mm. uh, some guy approached me he's like i know you i'm like where from <laughs> He's like, yeah, you played this show uh, not long ago, and uh, he was like, uh, I remember you guys. You guys got something. You got me hooked into it. And he's like, uh, like bands nowadays, just what Pete just said, uh, they don't have that thing. Like you can't remember nothing out of them, whatever they play. That's that's the experience. Some of the experience yeah. that I have. So I would say the message is getting the songs across because that's what you want. You want people to like the songs, like the band, like the music, and everything else after that will fall into place. Do you find, like, with the songs you write, you like to write about things in your in reality and your lives or something fantasy-based? Well, I think it's it's a mix of both. You know, we a lot of our songs, if you're, if you're reading the lyrics, you know, they have a lot to do with war and, and pain and... Yeah, you know things of that nature but you know those are some of the things that, that that go on in everyday life but maybe not to us personally but i think every song that we write every every apathy song it's we definitely have have a, a piece of it for each individual or whoever wrote it you know th that person you know it really goes deep for them what are some core um messages that you're trying to uh bring awareness to in the lyrics uh, that you put out? Well, I, I could speak for one song. 
and I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. <laughs> but there's, anyways, a song, there's a song off the album. It was called it's called Born Into Pain. Um I don't know which track it is on the album, Decorative Violence. And that song I wrote a long time ago and it was it was about suicide. It was about, you know, I was in a place in my life where I wasn't happy where I was, I wasn't happy with the things I've done, you know. I want to be in music a longer time and uh that song Born to Pain was about, you know, self loathing and you know, I, I want to do myself, but I just kept going. Because it was like every time I want to do something, do something, you just got to pick yourself up. And, you know, once you fall, you got to just keep getting back up. So that song for me, Born into Pain, that's that's an issue where I'd say, listen, if you're thinking about killing yourself or something like that, don't do it. Life is cool. Life is great. You just got to, you know, just keep fighting the good fight. And if you really want what you want, you'll get it, no matter how big or how small the scale is, you know. Just go for what you want to do. On that note, let's listen to Born Into Pain.
Hey, what's up? We're back with uh, Apathy from Clifton, New Jersey. And you just heard Born Into Pain from A Decade of Violence. How are some of the new songs developing? Uh, You know what? The new songs are, if you listen to A Decade of Violence and and you really like it, you're going to listen to the new songs and be like, wow, it's it's much heavier. all around vocals, drumming, rhythm, guitars, everything. Everything is heavier, so uh, you know that's that's the direction we're going in right now. Yeah, very very thrashy. The song Serpent Sorter was just a taste of uh, what's to come on the next record. So yeah, it's going to be a lot more powerful and uh, different players on the different players on this album than the last album. If you look into it, you know we've had some lineup changes and stuff. So Danny over here, he's pretty much new to the deal. Yeah, it's a lot of darker riffs and uh, it's a lot heavier. A lot, a lot heavier. Yeah, he brings a different format to the band too. Like his guitar playing style is a little different than mine, but it's almost similar. So his little dark side and my little bright side, I guess. <laughs> we mix it together and boom, there we go. Now, like what types of things, I guess, maybe differences and like favorite time signatures to use in your songs? Or, I guess, maybe particular riffs you like to use more now that uh, there's some changes in your band. What is, like, the deal now, I guess, um, for using, like, I mean, what are your favorite time signatures to use in your songs now? Time signatures. Well, we don't have a specific specific one. Yeah, yeah, I know. We just, uh, I don't know, we, we brought the... A lot of things have changed. Are gonna change in this album. We brought the the tune, like we brought it, we brought a little down tune. We, we half brought step. a half step down, which is gonna be a different sound, a lot heavier. So, okay. And I, and I would say we're, when we go in, we don't uh, the signature part. We don't really. We just make a bunch of noise until it sounds right, and then we go, okay, this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that, and that's it. And then we come back in and. Bill does what he does, and Danny does what he does, and I don't know. Yeah, basically, we just go in and see how many times we're going to play it. You know, we're going to loop it. We're going to do f- two, four, six, eight, twelve, three, five, whatever. Usually, I-, I determine that when we're playing the song. So, that's that's pretty much how we do it. Yeah, we sort of get him crazy. He'll be like, that's not how it's going to go. We're like, dude. <laughs> now, let's uh, take a call for a minute. Hello, uh, this is WMSC 90.3. Uh, do you have a question for the band? Yes, I am. Uh, John Mosier from Nick. How do you say your town? Oh, Ixon Lux says, um, it's great you're on the air. Like, awesome. I can't say the obscenity. Cool, man. But, uh, cool. I know those, we know those calling, guys. I much, much appreciate it. They can't wait to uh, see you on the road and want to play with you guys. Yeah, we're definitely down for them. Yeah, we did a show with them back in, I think, September with Generation Kill. It was yeah. us, them, and Generation Kill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for calling, man. Much appreciated. They're good. That, that, they're, that's a good band. That's a good local band. There's not a lot of good ones. I mean, there are, but that band, I was impressed. The singer could do, really do Anthrax and play guitar. Like, he now, can sing like Joey Belladonna and play guitar. Okay. Like, what? <laughs> Personally, guys, Belladonna or Bush? 
Belladonna. Belladonna. Bush. Oh, oh man, yeah, dude. He's new in the band. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he carried the chairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just a real hardcore Belladonna fan. Yeah, like, just, same here. <laughs> I just felt there should have been, like, all the albums in the 90s, they shouldn't have had Bush on them. I mean, it's like... I don't know, for my opinion, having Bush, his vocals are, like, more deeper. They're, like, more, like, aggressive. But when you go back to, like, him singing, like, the Belladonna era, I don't know, it's, like, big difference, though, because, like, his voice is not, like... It could really fit with the with the old stuff. Like, his pitch is, like, really low, and then Belladonna's, like, high and everything. So it's, like, it depends what songs they play and everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess just kind of, like, with the Bonded by Blood stuff, I mean, like, just waiting for, like, Moro... Like, while he was doing the Exile and Feed the Beast songs, I mean, I just really didn't care for that. But actually, when he sings the Aftermath songs, it's like, I can actually see where the band wants to go. And it's just, how do you, like, as a singer, like, perform another singer's, like, vocals when you're, like, a completely different singer? And you're not even, like, a tenor. Like, let's say the last guy was a tenor and you're, like, a baritone or a bass. I mean, it's just... I'm sorry, the songs are gonna change, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to take over the conversation, but before I was before I sang in the band, I played guitar in the band, and then we had a singer who had like a very aggressive, you know, voice, and then when Bill was like, "You should just sing," you know, the songs, I was nervous. I'm like, "People aren't gonna like us. They're gonna be like, you guys stink." So yeah, there is that variation, but for me, Belladonna, I just grew up listening to him on all those Anthrax records, and what was this album only the. White noise, um, white noise. Sound of the white noise was um with the, Bush. That Bush. was a great album. That was the first album with Bush. Yeah, that was a great album. But after that, I was like, nah, I miss Joey. And Joey just did it. And when I see them live, I was just like, Joey just it, it he worked. And they knew it worked. That's yeah. why they brought him back. But uh, it is hard to fill the shoes sometimes. I mean, I've seen we've seen guitar players, bass players. I don't, how many bass players are this? Now? I don't know. Oh it, it's God. yeah. It, this is a revolving door of bass players in this band. If, you, if you're looking for a band to be in, you're a bass player and you're out, come to Apathy. I'm up. Kidding, 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 we're kidding. Okay, now, dude, Pete, spreading or among for Anthrax? Man, that's, that's a hard, hard one. But I'm going to go with Among the Living. Mm. I like spreading, but Among the Living for me was a big... I walked around my neighborhood playing that all the time on my radios. Uh, Among the Living album, so I have to go with Among the Living. What made you pick Among over Spreading, though? Because there's some good songs in there that Anthrax never plays. NFL. Which, yeah, That's well, why. no, they always play NFL, but I like the uh, horror of it all. Skeletons, uh, what is it, Skeleton in My Closet? Yeah. And, of course, they do the song, and I love it all the time when they do it, Indians. But something about that album was just great. It was just a great, it was aggressive, and it was just, Thrashy, just the Scotty on the guitar. Dun, 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 dun. That was just to me. That was just a great album. I love Among the Living. I, Spreading Disease was great. They mentioned Queens and the neighborhood. All I'm not from there, but I like the na- mentions of neighborhoods in New York and stuff like that. But Among the Living was just kick ass. Sorry. <laughs> I see. Like just with me though, Medusa and Gung Ho. I mean, just Charlie on those drums, like with Gung Ho. Mm-hmm. It, it's just insane. Like I feel like. That's some of the best drumming in any song I've ever heard. And it's just yeah. well, I, such such power behind that music. He must be a drummer. Yeah, well, he's a great drummer, so, you know, a lot of his songs are great. Yeah. You know, just to, to point one or two of them out, not really doing them justice. But 
He was. He's a better drummer. I'm gonna say it. Oh my god, this is good. <laughs> We're, I mean, I, I'm eating on, on stage, but um, I say he's a better drummer than uh, Lars Ulrich, definitely. And I don't think he ever got the credit for it. I'm hearing. eating beef jerky. He, he, Charlie Bonani's a perfectionist on the drums, and I think he's a way better drummer than Lars. I'm saying it. I'm putting on record here. Well, Sorry, I mean, Lars. Anthrax never went the Black Album way. I mean, it's just. No. I mean, you could almost, I guess, maybe say that Megadeth went that way with Risk, maybe. But, um, just like, like Anthrax, I guess you could never really say they, oh, they sold out like Metallica because they made that album. But, I mean, it's just, they stopped being a thrash metal band with the Black Album, so, I mean. Yeah, that was it. The, 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 the Black Album, Black Album's great. If you listen to it now, and I've listened to it here. The production is great. The recording is great. The the songs are great. But that was to me the end of the Metallica era. There's only as far one as a Metallica fan, they have one song which is like thrashes uh, through the never. How it starts? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. That's probably one like out of like all of them. Yeah. And and Death Magnetic, it was okay. There's a couple of songs from there. Yeah, a couple of them, but all uh, of them. I've we've yeah. I, I I could probably speak for all of us, but I won't. But I regress back to some of the classical thrashers like Sodom, Destruction, um, Creator, Creator. Oh, Creator, forget about it. But <laughs> I've gotten to a lot of Sodom lately. I've been driving Danny crazy about it, but yeah, gotten to a lot of Sodom. Danny's in the sodomy. <laughs> so like, what era of Sodom are you really into though? The persecution mania years, or like maybe tapping the vein? I would say right now, I've started with the M16 album, and I'm working my way back with that. Because I always ignored those bands, because I was more into the Megadeth, Anthrax, the popular bands. But since I've gotten on c- certain little kicks and like certain little these little online radio stations, I've gone back to the classics, because it's just it was just raw, and it was real, and it wasn't... You know, these guys had to play. You couldn't hide behind anything. There was no triggers. You could just hear the muddy and the grittiness, and I, I, I miss that. And that's what I think is missing today on a lot of... Uh, thrash metal and heavy metal albums it's just too perfect yeah only thing is sodom will never tour america i mean i i can almost bet money that i don't think they've ever played one american show did they not sure no no like i mean i thought i saw them i thought they they were rumored to play maryland death fest i think two years ago and then that dropped and also they were supposed to play i think a new york date and an la date but i mean that's just insane how can you have a band from Germany, as big as Sodom, play three dates. I mean, it's it's absurd. They should play at least fifteen or twenty dates if you're going to do an American tour. Oh, probably the at the very base. least. The fan base, like, how many people are going to come see them? How much money? The promoter's probably going to be like, "I'm going to lose money on this." So you get three good dates. They probably played what New York? No, actually, they were booked for New York, L.A., and the Maryland Death Fest, but they canceled the whole wow. tour. Well, you can't even really call it a tour. It's three, three dates. I mean, it was really disappointing. Yeah, that that does stink when you hear bands like that get crapped on. Maybe you know what? Maybe if Creator comes around again or something more. Oh, upset. they do. Like I mean, they, they came around better. last September. Yeah. Wow, these bands are getting a lot of calls, aren't they, Creator? <laughs> You're gonna be out buying Creator albums instead of Apathy Records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I'd say though, Creator has always been the biggest of the German three in America. Because I mean, just. And um, and now they're starting to get their their groove here because I remember years ago listening to them. People were like, "Oh yeah, I like Creator," but it wasn't like oh, I like Creator. Creator seems to like, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Creator's coming up there where Slayer was. I think like people love Slayer, 
they're getting older, but Creator sort of looks like they're taking that reign. Like, man, you put Slayer and Creator on a tour, that'd be sick. That'd be, be people in the hospital. show right there. Yeah. A lot of people are gonna die in the in the pit and everything. Yeah, you'd have to. Definitely. I'm gonna sit in the back and uh, watch everybody go nuts. But just hear pressure to kill, then everybody's like right there. Yeah, for that. Yeah, it's just hard. It's hard out there, you know. It's hard on both sides. I think you got better chances playing in Europe, but it's hard in America. It's all about money and yeah. I mean, time. thing is too, like destruction doesn't play in America because of a issue with the booking agent. But I mean, it's like. I mean, because Creator is still touring America, I'd have to say they've gotten at least a bump in the type of uh, fan support you're going to have. Because, I mean, you say to yourself, I love Destruction. But, like, if you're an American fan and you can't afford to go onto the 70,000 tons of metal crews or, like, fly out to Europe or something for the show, I mean, you're just going to see Creator when they come around. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, it's pretty much Creator or nothing. Because I don't think... How often has Tankard come around to America? I'm, I don't even know. I'm I don't know. Sure. You know Tankard? Yeah, I love Tankard. Same here. Same here a lot. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know, like, um, I never heard, like, uh, any tour about them coming or anything. So. Mm. But they should come with, uh, at least with uh, Creator or some or somebody like that. It's all about money and insurance. It's always, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, the guys in, uh, we were talking the other day, the guys in uh, Warbringer. Yeah. They were talking about a lot of that, like it's insurance, it's so much stuff when you go under these other bands and their, and, and their, I guess their tours, you know, and it's money. Now, back to some of the questions though. Are there any individuals connected to these songs that are not that are not part of Apathy? No, no, not really. I mean, basically all the songs that we have up to this point, um, either. 90% of them Pete wrote lyrically. Um, I wrote some of them. And then, uh, you know, the music <clears throat> has always been uh, Pete and I. And then Danny came into the band. So he really is the first lead guitar player we've had that really has a lot of input on the way we're writing the music. So nobody really outside of this room has anything to do with apathy musically, any of our songs. And, I, and, and, there's no, and if you mean, like, also... Like, there's just, like, people that we're writing about? Yeah. Like, no, I, I, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think most of the stuff we've written about, like, yeah, or just topics, Not you know, people. something just flew off the top of your head. Like, Final Threat, I wrote that song. Um, there was a conflict. I think India and Pakistan were about ready to drop the bomb on each other, like, what, 10 years ago? And I was like, oh, man, we're actually going to see someone drop a bomb? And I wrote that song, Final Threat. That, that I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that's close to uh, something personal yeah. i mean it's not personal to me i, I you know but and like era of terror i wrote era of terror and um you know obviously with terrorism and everything from 9 11 but you saw a lot in the news of these these terrorists with the with their uh their masks on their face and i always just felt like that was just a cowardly thing to do mm-hmm. to be on tv with a with a mask on your face and running your yeah. mouth <laughs> so era of terror was born from that what if you're zorro <laughs> you better make a lot of z's <laughs> So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you say those two songs, okay, maybe are possibly personal related, but not close touch, you know. Do you feel like, um, even like three or four years after that album was released, those songs still have major meaning in the music scene as well as society? I would say, yeah, I'd say, I would say they definitely hold some weight, and, uh, you can ask Javier over here, he's been 
posting a plea of mercy like crazy online. Yeah, that's basically like that song is like when you hear it like the first time, it's like it hits you right there. It's like, oh, you got to listen again and again. It's like, it's like I could be home right now and listen to that song. It's like I'm headbanging to that song. It's like, it's really good. That's all I could tell you. Every every song, amazing. Yeah, and, and when we play, you know, there's a lot of people that want to hear certain songs. So, you know, they have their favorites and they always yeah. make sure they, they want to make sure we're going to play those songs. So yeah, that means a lot, too. I see on that note, let's hear Error of Terror. That was Error of Terror by Apathy from A Decade of Violence. Now back with the in-station interview of Apathy on WMSC 90.3 in Montclair, in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. Now, what type of approach did you guys use for mixing, mastering, and producing 
your 2009 album, A Decade of Violence? Well, actually, the whole thing came down to, you know, hey, we want we want to make this record, and the whole approach was we want to keep it as raw and simple as possible. We want to overproduce anything because a lot of bands today seem to overproduce, and then when they go out and play live, people are like disappointed because it's not what they get on the record. So uh, we went shopping around looking for places to record the album, and uh, this guy Ed that we're friends with, he was in a band called Ten Feet for Murder. He's in a band now, Murder League. He uh, con- he told me about this guy, Chris Gib- Gibson, in Hoboken. Yeah. So we called up Gibby. He met us, and Gibby was really good. He worked with like Agnostic Front. He worked with Quicksand, all those guys mm-hmm. back in the day. And, and he gave, he we did some pre-production with him. He taught us a lot. And basically, we, he, we just told him, we said, listen, we want it to sound like Kill 'Em All. Like, we don't want it to have any... Okay. We, what? Effects. Yeah, we don't want to have any crazy effects. We want to just be raw. We want people to hear those little mess ups and stuff like that. Because I think that's what's missing today. Like people aren't. You don't want everything to be a mess up, but the approach was let's keep it as raw as possible, and let's, uh, you know, just keep it simple. So when we play live, people aren't gonna go, "Oh man, where's all the glips and glam?" You know, it's what you get on the record is what you're gonna get live. But at live, it'll be more intense and know? faster. Yeah, but uh, Gibby really worked with us. I called him like the fifth band member because he really. Helped us find a lot of problems that we had and some handicaps, and we fixed it. And the album came out good, you know, for the first album. How do you know when something is overproduced? I think when you when you listen to it, you know, especially like uh, drum wise, you know right away. Like when I was doing the drum tracks, you could tell, um, you know, just by the tone of the drums, and then you know they want to throw in like echoes and this and that in the background. And sometimes it's it's needed, but you know, in our case, we really want to stay away from it. And the guitars, like you'll hear some guitars that are just they're going straight direct into the you know direct into the board and not off the amp, you know. And that seems to be another thing. No one plays out of an amp anymore. They just go from direct from their pedal into the board, and that's it, you know. So that to me is just it's just too much. And then you go on live, you see the guys live, and you're like, dude, that's not even the same sound on the record. It's either going to be bad or. It's just going to be over- overwhelming. but It's like you're cheating your way out of yeah. yeah. Too many effects, too many things, you know? So that's overproducing <clears throat> in, my, in my mind. Now, describe the setup you guys are planning on using for the recording of your next release. We're, gonna, we're, we're taking it back. We're going to go... I'm sorry, I'm eating beef jerky. <laughs> we're going to, uh, you know, and these guys can jump in too whenever they want. We we're looking at taking it back, you know, the classic thrash metal route. You know, when Danny came into the band and the way he played and everything, it was like, cool, this kid's playing like sort of like what we want. You know, he's a little younger than me, so he's still into the thrashing and all that and sort of brought us around where it's like, yo, you know what, let's tap into that. And listening to it more, we're like, yeah, we need to just take it back. So crank up the reverb, crank cr- crank it down low end and see what, it, see what, see what happens. So the next album we're... It's going to be up to date, but we're going to try to bring it back and keep it, you know, like some of those classic thrash bands like we were talking about. Now, when you're going to enter the studio and actually record for this next album, what are five albums you're thinking of that, like, I'm comparing this next release to these albums? This is the type of pride I want to take, like, comparing it to these, like, hallowed things. Wow, that's, that's tough. <laughs> well, we'll go around the room. <laughs> yeah, Big you, five. you first. 
No, no, I'll probably go with like the early early thrash, like start off with Slayer, <laughs> Rain and Blood, there you go. No um, love for Hello Waits and uh, Show No Mercy? Ah, uh, Hello Waits. Uh, to be honest, I'm a really big Slayer fan, so I I like every album, but like when you hear Rain and Blood for the first time, it's like, especially me, like I'm I'm really young, so like nowadays, like being 18 and then listening to that song from start to finish, that album is amazing. You could hear Lombardo going crazy on the drums and then... And Araya with the screaming and everything. Way too brutal. And then another album will be um, Kill Em All. Mm. Kill Em All. How they they sound, I mean, they sounded too bright, but like they have like the, the punchy sound on it. Another one will be, um, damn, it's really hard. <laughs> what do you think, Danny? I'll probably go with the new with the new band, Municipal Waste. Mm. They're like, they just came out, but like, they the bring it. Feast? The, yeah, the Fatal Feast, great album. Like I don't know, like they sound really like like crossover with like thrash, just like half half. So it's like that's my my style. And then I would probably jump in and say, Exodus, classic Exodus, like uh, what is it? Impact, Impact is imminent. That um, album, a lot of people. Never all got I can think album. of is Bonded by Blood and Pleasure the. Pleasures of the Flesh. Pleasures of the Flesh is great, but Impact is imminent. It was pretty good. Um, like I said, I would go with Exodus. I would jump in Creator in there. Uh, Sodom. And I would actually... Testament. There's a little bit... You're, it's not old, but there's a little bit of an Arch Enemy feel to it. I'm a big Arch Enemy fan, and, and we have this one song we're working on, and the way it breaks down, it has like that Arch Enemy style to it. So those would be like a couple albums off my head. Yeah. Uh, I think anything from from Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, um, Testament, even if you rolled all those up, you're gonna get probably a little bit of everything similar to that. That's what I think. Now, have you chosen the person that's gonna mix, master, and produce your next album, or is Pete gonna do most of it? I mean, we haven't really we haven't really chosen anybody. We're gonna shop around. See if we can get a good deal. Um, but you know what? We at the end of the day, we want to have what's going to sound best. So if we could do it on our own, it's going to sound that, and it's going to sound great. That's what we're going to do. But you know, it's all about the money. So, so yeah. what would be two or three options that may actually happen that you're choosing from right now? We uh, record it in our place, and we just get someone to come in there and work with us. Like just come in and record us in our own environment, you know, whether it's calling Chris Gibson back, say, listen, we're just going to do it this way. We want to capture the raw intensity. We want to we be in our own environment. So let's just uh, record in here and have him produce. And this time around, because we know what we learned from the first album, we're definitely going to have a little bit more hands-on approach to this album this time. Like, if we don't like something, we're not going to do it that way. If we say, listen, this is how we want it to be, this is how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. You know, I'm not saying... He did a bad job or anybody. We're always open to new ideas, but if we're really strong on something this time, that's how we're going to uh, approach it. You know, we want it done this way. You know, but we're going to we're going to see we're going to shop around and uh see what happens. It's just always easier to have that extra person. Any um follow up on that? Danny. <laughs> I think no, Danny's he's 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 no, he likes a beef. He likes a beef, beef jerky. jerky. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think Pete, quiet. Pete pretty much summed it up. That's that's where we're gonna go. Okay, now 
Let me catch my breath from the beef jerky. But um, <laughs> jerky. Tell me, how do you guys feel that Hurricane Sandy changed the face of the New Jersey metal scene? Because quite honestly, right now people are still waiting on uh, the Starland Ballroom to get back up and running it, and there's just untold uh, stories about other places that Sandy affected. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 Jersey metal scene. Honestly, it, for us, it hasn't really been that great. Um, unless we're in like the southern part of the state, you know, um, for whatever reason down there, they really, they're really into us more. Um, not saying we don't have uh, fans up here, but um, you talking Camden area? I'm talking. I'm talking anything below New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, when we played Starland, we always got really, really good reception. And then, um, you know, it's kind of disappointing when you come back home. And you don't get the same kind of feel, you know. So, I, I don't know if if the storm is gonna affect um, up here at all, but down there definitely, because those 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 kids down there, you know, they don't have anywhere to go. They hear these big bands, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna hurt them. Yeah, because when we first started out, we did the Stone Pony, we did uh, Fast Lanes, and that's all right by the water. I mean, I don't know if they've gotten any damage. I didn't really hear anything, but. Losing that, yeah, it's going to stink. And also Starland Ballroom. I mean, like I said, we played there with Overkill. We played there with Suffocation. You know, and, and the sound people there always make us sound good. Yeah. <laughs> so affecting the metal scene, a lot. yeah, it's going to affect the metal scene for down there a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. a lot, actually. And But up here, cause up here you get people from all over, whether it's New York or Connecticut. They'll always be up here, but... It's going to affect a little bit. It, it, and you know, it did affect us in a way because all of us lost power or something like that. And I'm sure that there's people still without power. And uh, it delayed us in a lot of things in writing and recording. You know, so I can imagine what it's going to do in the long term. Now, I see you guys are interested in performing at the 2013 Maryland Death Fest. Have you made any ground with that? No, nobody ever got back to us. Um,. So we were pretty bummed out about that. And there were still slots open, too, to be on the, the Maryland Death Fest. You know, I hit the guys up over there, like, I don't even know, three or four or five times. And I didn't get any feedback. But uh, the guy, at least Bloodstock, UK, they contacted us. But uh, I think we we're a little too late to get on that. But they're going to keep us in for, I guess, the next Bloodstock UK, which would be, what is this, 2014 maybe? Now, what is the date on Bloodstock? I believe it's... June or July of this year in the UK. Now, talk about how prevalent of like a metal festival this is compared to say the Maryland Death Fest. Uh, it's it's I would say it's probably got a little bit more popularity as far as uh on both sides of the what do they call it? The pond. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and uh in Europe, you know, Europe, South America, these guys would say like they're big into their metal. I would say a little bit more than I'm not saying America doesn't, but it's just like a way of life, like a true way of life out there. America. Yeah. And I think playing out there or getting on a show out there would really help us out. You know, like I said before, this guy, Tim, who saw us, who was in MOD, Tim, uh, he, he saw us and he's like, why are you guys playing here? You should be in Europe. You know, the style of music you're playing, you, they would be eat this up. So it would be a big jump for us to get over there more than Maryland Death Fest. Because like Jimi Hendrix, no one listened to Jimi Hendrix, right? Until he went to Europe. And then he came back, they're like, oh, this guy's great. And he was American. And it, and it yeah. seems to happen with a lot of metal bands. They have to go to Europe first to even do anything for people here get big. 
Wish it was the 80s, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. so what do you think would be uh, the best place to hit first? England, France, Germany, or maybe Spain? I think Germany. Germany. Yeah. England. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go with Javier. It's more I crazy over England there. First. Like, it gets packed really fast, so might as well go with England. And they got like really good shows and everything. Then Germany. I think Germany yeah. is more. You have more of a chance of like v- more violence. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm not saying anything about the German people. I'm just saying I just feel like there's more of a chance of, a, of it getting set off over there. You know, it's easier to get drunk there. So I do like yeah German beers. I'm a, I'm a big German beer fanatic. So I would probably be at the the, the beer steins at beer gardens. Like, are we supposed to play? <laughs> Gonna be wasted. But yeah, waking. That'd be a yeah. great thing to get on. I've heard like people are like, dude, call up the promoters there. That they would get you on there, and that's what um, one of the promoters from Bloodstock did for us. Yeah, he got Bloodstock. us a list of all the promoters to contact if we want to go out there and uh, do shows. Actually, so they did give us a little help on that. I see. Now, if you were gonna hit Germany, what type of things besides whacking would you want to get onto? Would I be honest with you? That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whacking? Uh, <laughs> Whacking, waking, uh, waking, yeah. yeah. Whacking. Um, yeah, you know what? We we would get we would be into anything, you know, that's metal out there. We wouldn't care. We just we'd go on and play, you know? We want everyone to, to hear us and, and get into our music, so we try to, to reach as many people as possible. Yeah, I would stay out there as long as we can stay out there and they said, Listen, we'd go from here to there to there. Definitely. I would love to do Donington. I hear that's yeah. that still goes on. The guy still keeps the property rented out, and I know that's in England. I would love to get on Donington. Any, I don't care for the third band, whatever. I just want to get out there and play with those masses. Like we all do. That's what we. That's why we do this. This was our dream, you know. And like we said it in the car coming here, we're like a lot of people can't do this. Not even on a local level or or or, or on a big level. You, after after a point, you just get tired of it, you know. Take the guy from Anthrax today. He just he just said, called yeah. it quits. Yeah, Rob. He left. You know, it's not you just, you just sometimes you just can't deal with it. But going out there and playing all those places, listen to us if you're listening to us out there in Europe. Call us <laughs> up. We want to go over there right now. <laughs> now, now. Now, have you guys been eyeing say maybe the New England Metal and Hardcore Fest? I've looked. I've looked into that for years, and uh, I've just slacked off on dealing with that. But that I know that's what every April. They do it? I think it's like March, maybe mm-hmm. March or April, I guess. Yeah, I I totally forgot about that actually. Yeah, a few years ago we tried to get on all of them. You know, New England, Maryland, anything that was going on. There's some stuff going on out in like Wisconsin. You know, maybe so, you're thinking of the Milwaukee uh, Death Fest. That, that yeah, could that be, too. yeah. So <laughs> you know, we tried to get on them all. At that time, we were, we were going through a lot of things in the band, so we really couldn't commit to anything. So, um. Really getting a good manager and, and someone to be behind us that has a little clout would definitely go a long way. You know, just doing it by yourself is a little hard because you're trying to do the band, you're trying to write the songs, you're trying to do this, try to do that, and it get, it does get hard. So getting a promoter and a manager, a really good manager that believes in you, it's hard to come by these days. Now, what are some uh, prominent alumni from uh, festivals such as Maryland Death Fest? And uh, I guess maybe slaughter by the water out in Cali, and also te- chaos and Tejas, obviously, uh, from Texas. 
what say that again what is it uh what are some um bands that have been uh, past alumni that you performed with that played on those venues yeah. i would have to probably say bonded by blood they played on that um who else what about overkill did they i don't know if suffocation did I, I believe Overkill know. played the New England yeah, they did. metal and hardcore they tried festival. one of them, yeah. Testament, they played the Milwaukee Death Fest way back in the day. But uh, I would say right recently it would be it would have to be Bonded by Blood, who we played with, what, twice? I don't know if Whiplash ever played any of those either, but they may have. I don't know. Well, they're big in South America now, but I would have to say recently Bonded by Blood. That would be it, really, right now. Cool. Have you um thought about... um? I guess maybe either vanning it out to uh, Cali for some Bonded by Blood shows or maybe flying out there? Yeah, definitely. We, you know, a few years back we went out to Arizona and played some shows. You know, we flew out there. Uh, I have a family member that lives out in, uh, in Yuma, Arizona. So we did some shows out there and, and up in Phoenix. So we would definitely be open to doing it. You know, we'd, we'd love to get back out west. Yeah, totally, and uh, definitely get out there in California and do shows um, with the guys from Bonded by Blood or, and whoever else. And I, I know some of the guys from Rattlehead. I think they're out there. I don't know if they're still around. but Yeah, Rattlehead's know. still around. They're from, like, uh, Hollywood. Yeah, 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 those guys. But, you know, you, we get, you get so wound up in everything, and your band, like, it, it's hard to reach out to everybody all the time. But once in a while, I'll send, like, a little, hey, what's up, you know, to those guys. So we get out there. I definitely want to wrap it up with uh, Rattlehead and... Uh, Bonded by blood and those guys. I see. Now, tell me, like, when you were in Phoenix, can you speak about what the metal scene was like there? I mean, you know what? It was, it Gosh. was better than here for sure because uh, they just—I don't know if it was because we were different. Um, they 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 received us well, and and they actually there was a, a good following to all of our shows. I think we played five shows. Yeah. Out when we were out there in like six days, so we're, I could be wrong on the days, but um, you know it was it was a pretty good scene. The only thing was we played some shows with with bands that weren't really metal bands. Oh, God. You know, we got on a couple of shows and they were like emo. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. one for the team. <laughs> oh my God! One. And you know what? And and their their fans were were good to us, so I don't want to knock them too much, but it really wasn't <laughs> our style, you know. And it was it was it was hard not to laugh the whole time, yeah. but you know we 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 got through it. And I, I have to say this: it, it just it, I was told not to curse. They're like, you can't curse because there's gonna be kids here. I'm like, what? <laughs> so we start playing and. Lo and behold, there's kids there. So I'm thinking 12, 13, you know, teenagers. I saw a mom roll by with a stroller. I was like, what? And this little kid, this little kid got out and took a picture. And I'm singing, I don't even know what song, but I, I think it was Plea of Mercy, maybe. And I was like, because one of the lines is, uh, oh, God, I forgot one of the lines of the song, um, <laughs> Visions of Murder. And I'm like, I can't even say that because this little kid's going to be sitting here. Yeah. And it was like, you know, cut your throat, you know? So, so uh that was a little weird, and I'm like, yo, dude, this is an emo band. We played with emo band. So, like I said, we took one for the team on that one. It was a little – I think we I think we got wrecked that night. We were just sort of out of yeah. it on that. Yeah. Well, that. we played at a place I think uh, Megadeth actually recorded in that one place that we were. Uh, yeah, in Tempe. You know, we played there, and that was a good show. You know, that was a good night. Phase 54. We actually got offered a distribution deal 
after that. Like when we got home, I think six months later, we got a phone call about doing a, you know, distributing our album when it came out, and that was awesome, you know. And actually, I think the the the, the person was going di- to distribute it. She was in rehab with Dave. Um, so <laughs> it's like two degrees of separation. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, eventually, like it just so much so much crap happened, and so many things happened paperwork and all this stuff like that we just said listen we 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 thank you for the offer but we're just gonna go our way you know so we we released the album ourselves now in phoenix like is there much love for like i say speed and death and black and uh thrash metal bands or is like just the emo really infested all over the area god (laughs) just why are we why are we promoting emo but uh i'll say this like i'm out i'm out there and i'm in arizona at least once twice a year so I could say that it there's a metal scene out there, you know. There's but um, it's black metal and stuff like that. I don't I don't I don't see it, but I still see like metal metal, like you know bands like Iron Maiden style, Judas Priest. You got a couple thrash bands out there, um, maybe out like where his cousin was and where we played. There's that emo thing, you know. But I don't I I see more metal, you know. I've come across more metal. There's a place called The Sets. There's a lot of metal bands that come through there. I think that's in Tempe. Did you hit up uh, SLC? SLC? Where's SLC? Salt Lake City. Uh, no, I haven't hit up there, no. Uh, we, just we, really, we really want to go. Like, We'd like to hit California up and definitely you know, go back to Arizona, Texas, yeah. and, 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 and the Midwest as well, like Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana. Those places, There's there's a lot of... Uh, people that contact us from out there that like our music. So I just feel like if we went out there, we'd probably have have a good time. Now, thinking about Texas, like, where would you want to hit? Just because, like, Texas is kind of like five states in one. Just because yeah. it's so huge. <laughs> oh, well, you have to go to Austin. You know, that's, that's for metal. You're going to have to go there. I, again, I have family down there as well in Dallas. And that's not really, um, that's not really a metal town. You know, it's, it's, that's it's like any other big city, you know. There, I mean, there's metal there, but not. So I take it you want to hit up Fort Worth over Dallas. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even though it's a stone's throw away, but yeah. from Dallas, but you know. yeah, Texas seems to be a hard, hard spot. I mean, I I don't know. You probably know a lot more than I do about. That. Yeah, the thing with Texas is you got to you got to be careful where you play though. Like we played in Virginia and we played Virginia Beach and all oh, yeah. all went well. And the next night we roll into Newport News, Virginia, yeah. and um, you know it was like back country, <laughs> and, and for for Pete, and at the time there was another guitar player in the band who who was Hispanic, who's from Ecuador as well, um, and they they didn't feel too comfortable there. You know? We don't like your kind, son. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't Deliverance. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they were cool though. You know? yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we've we've had some experiences. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll have those experiences getting out on the road. That's one good thing about being out on the road is it's, it's you learn a lot. Now, have you had any time in uh, the New Orleans metal scene? No, nothing down south. Nothing down south. Never even thought about it. Okay. Yeah. Especially after Katrina, who knows if there's anything even down there? I, I think Phil Asamo has his little shack down there that he does his recordings now. Yeah, yeah, but I've never really, I've never really heard of really too many metal spots down there in New Orleans. I know Florida always tries to get like metal bands, 
Like, nobody goes to Florida. I mean, unless they're a band from Florida, like DSI and those guys, like, I've, I've heard it over and over again. A lot of bands do not go to Florida. Unless black metal, mostly black metal, I would say. Like, that's big down there. But I've talked Yeah, to I mean, um, I guess it's not as profitable an area to play in Florida. I guess not. It's just... I, it's just one of those places that get overlooked, you know. Yeah, I know. On, I think the last two or three Warbeast tours, they skipped over Florida, and it's just, <laughs> it's kind of like, we we are incredibly and infinitely more fortunate, like living in the New York City uh, area. Like maybe we have to take a train or take a uh, hour or two car ride into the city, but I mean, almost everybody is going to play New York. Well. I could I could say this, and Danny could probably jump in here. He's Danny's still here with us, folks. He's just quiet. <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, New York, like Manhattan, it changed a lot. I remember the Limelight. You had the Scrap Bar. You had a lot of great metal places, and they disappeared. Now you got Brooklyn. Queens is kicking up again. It's almost like the '80s or mid '90s where the metal scene is coming back, but it's not happening in Manhattan. It's happening more in the in the in the boroughs, even the Bronx. I've heard like there's some metal clubs kicking up in the Bronx now, so that's pretty wild. So, yeah, we are lucky. Like right now, and, and we definitely want to attack c- a couple of those spots out in the five boroughs and everything. What, like you thinking of like say the Public Assembly and like the Atron? Do you know the Public Assembly? I've, I've, I've just heard no, of it. Really. Uh, that's out in Brooklyn somewhere. So I think you gotta like be on like ten or fifteen stops past Penn Station to get there. So it's it's a trip getting there. Actually, the um, the um, that place on uh, the Akron. I played there before, so it's like you see a lot of like punks, a lot of like hardcore kids around there. Cross punk too and yeah. grindcore. Yeah, so basically, like uh, I've been to shows around there, so I know a couple places in in Brooklyn, which is like really good and everything. It's like it, it depends. It depends who plays though. If you're gonna have like a band who is not gonna fit in the in the whole scene, then you're not gonna have a crowd, obviously. And basically, everybody who goes there to Brooklyn is gotta be all ages, because if you make something like twenty one pluses. It's gonna be you're only gonna see like ten heads. <laughs> yeah, so might as well make it all ages and have a lot of people. <laughs> but what other clubs are out there like kicking up out there? You have the Akron, the Lake, which is, I think is on uh, the swamp now. Ah, uh, talk much louder, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta talk, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there we're actually looking. Like Javier and I are f- are from New York, like from Queens, more of the Queens area. We're looking out for some uh, new venues that are actually opening up. There are certain shows that we were gonna play down there, and uh, suddenly the 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 place got shut down. So stuff like th- stuff like that has happened lately. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like it's kicking up again out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, tell me about some of the the newest recordings you have. That I believe you're gonna re-record the stuff for your next album. Mm-hmm. All right, the the EP that you played before when you first when we first got in, Serpent's Order. That's off the EP uh, Factory Sessions. That's one of three new songs that we put out. Oh, okay. That's um one of the three new songs we're working on. It's still in demo form. Uh, you know, to give because people were asking us, "Hey, man, when's the new stuff coming out?" So. This EP, actually, when we were talking about producing and mixing, we recorded this in our rehearsal studio, and uh, I sat on my Pro Tools and everything and mixed it and stuff like that. Danny Danny was new to the band, too, still. He came in and threw down the lead guitars. 
Um, so right here, the song that you were picking out, that's called "Hell Is All We Have," which is the uh, bah, which is the debut, which is the title of the next album that's coming out. It's called "Hell Is All We Have," and uh, we like it. It's it's just straight up just heavy, and uh, so we played a couple of shows to promote the to promote the EP and let people hear some of the new songs, and we've gotten very good responses off this. So if you want to play it and let people hear what's coming up next, "Hell Is All We Have" is is uh. The song. Yeah, that's pretty much what you're going to get when that album comes out. going to get that's hell. You know what? You're going to get hell. Okay. Oh, hell you're going to get hell. Hell. <laughs> hell is all we have by Apathy from Factory Sessions. Ignore the calling Sacrifice 
a decade of violence album past shows they performed at and more now getting back into things what is something that you see in your music that you think some fans have a difficult time grasping what what do you think is like something that you think maybe is a little bit hidden to the fans that you see that maybe people aren't catching on to listen to our music um they're just listening for the the blood and guts you know they want they want to come they want to they want to hear fast fun hard music but they don't, i don't think a lot of times they're listening to what the words are in the songs or what the meaning to those words are so i think that's one of the things in, in a lot of our songs that people they think, oh, that song is about this, or, or it's about that, but really they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> How do you feel like you can best corner the blood, guts, and gore market of fans? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think songs like, you know, Plea of Mercy, Machine Gun Rain, all that, that whole album, like Decade of Violence, like, you know, to me, it gives you a... a a bond of all that stuff. There's a little bit of everything in that. Death metal, hardcore, punk. It gives you a little bit of that. Um, on the next record, I would have to say, if you're a death metal fan and maybe a little black metal, you're going to hear a little bit of that in there. You know, But we don't try to think about, hey, we want to write like this. We know we're a thrash band, but you know, this song may come out like this song, and this song may come out like that song, and it's just going with what's comfortable, you know? Now, you have eight songs on the books for your next album, and you're planning on having four more songs recorded. Tell me, where do you want to go in these next four songs? Just want to go heavy. Just want to go heavy, fast. Me, personally, I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the guys. I, I love the first album, but I want to bury the first album. I want to show people yeah. we are, you know, apathy. We're a thrash metal band, and this is how it's supposed to be done. You know what I mean? And, and that's yeah. it. Pete and I have been playing the decade of violence songs for a long time so you know for for me and him it's it's time to move on and you know that's why this next album if you heard if you were listening to hell is all we have that's how most of the songs are going to be you know a lot a lot heavier faster you know more in your face and now that we got danny in here who's you know a different style guitar player and Javier, who actually came into the band about what? A week ago. A week ago? Yeah, a week ago. <laughs> so getting a little bit of their influence in there, we're going to see how things, you know, transpire. But Danny coming into the band sort of brought some of that old school vibe into the music. And uh, like I said, want to bury this last album. And also, I know I never like to talk bad about other bands or anything like that, but there were a lot of bands in the beginning that gave us crap. And it's just funny how those bands aren't even around anymore. And they used to say, oh, what you're playing, no one's going to ever listen to it, and this and this and that. And you know what? We're still here. Now, around, like, what years were you um, dealing with that type of uh, criticism? 2006, you know, all the way through. Yeah, yeah 2005, six. Uh, you know. <laughs> the emo era. There you go. We, <laughs> we still get it now to a point, you know, but it's going to happen with, with any band. But... You know, we've been around a lot of bands that they're not even bands anymore. And here we are still a band. Yeah, there's been there's been different people in, in our band, but uh, but we've always stayed strong and, and kept playing. Yeah, so that's, that's what we want to give. 
give it up, you know? Now, in the past, you've gotten booked alongside acts like Overkill, DRI, Suffocation, and Bonded by Blood. How did these um, shows happen? How did you end up getting booked with these particular bands? Well, for for all those bands, probably different circumstances, but, you know, like, Overkill, they were playing at Starland. They were taking, I think, one or two, two they were taking two local acts. Um, so, being that we already had played with Suffocation there, um, they gave us a shot to get on that show. Um, getting on the Suffocation show, I think it was just a matter of, you know, just bugging them a lot. You know, and we're, we're a thrash band getting on a death metal show. So, you know, it was kind of difficult. But once we got in and we brought some people in there, we, we got a good relationship going with them. So, and then Bonded by Blood played with us at that Overkill show, right? Was that the one they yes. played with us? Yeah. So, and then, you know, that's how we struck up the conversation with those guys. And uh, it was funny when we, Suffocation was, uh, was our pretty much our big break, like playing in a big crowd it was at Starland Ballroom that was I think it was 2008 we just put out our demo and uh we were the second band to go on and I you know I was just like dude we're going to die out here man like this is a death metal they're going to kill us they're going to hate us you know <laughs> we come out there and we play and all I remember was seeing this blonde kid just doing the devil horns and yeah. banging his head and I'm like I look at Bill and I'm like I think they like it you know and uh that was it and all I kept hearing was slayer slayer Part of one. yeah but it was fun <laughs> Can you just um repeat that story one more time? The uh, CD wanted to crap out on me. Uh, okay, well, which one? The DRI one? Yeah. All right, well, the DRI show, once again, it was at Gramercy. Uh, it was uh, maybe two years ago, and we got on it through our guy from Long Island. His name is Bill Eckhoff. He, uh, he promotes us and gets us, books us on shows, and uh, like I said, he's good friends with some of the people over there at Gramercy, and I think one of the promoters was at the Overkill show that we played with at Starland, and he's like, I want them to open up for DRI. He's like, these guys are good. And we got on the opening slot for DRI, but we opened. We were the band, and then there was DRI. And DRI was, like, moved. Like, he went up to our booking guys, like, we want these guys to play with us again. He's like, these guys really warmed up the crowd for us. You know, so that was really, really... New York City, you know, Gramercy mm -hmm. Theater. That I'm like, this is awesome, you know. We, were, we all were just like... Yeah, it was a good night. And we played 45 minutes. They were trying to get us off stage. Bill saw the guy. Yeah, they were, they were you know, they, they started flashing the light at you. They were flashing at me because I'm the drummer. Yeah. And and it's funny because the guitar player at the time was trying to do a solo. <laughs> and I had to cut it I had to cut it off. And he was really, really pissed after the show. He's like, why did you do that? And I'm like, well, they were trying to get us off the stage, you know? So I thought it was the lights, so I just kept yeah. playing. I was like, he's <laughs> like, no, it's not the lights. It's the guy telling us where our set's over. I'm like, hmm. You know, but that was... That was a really good experience, and Danny, who's in the band now, was there at the show, and he was he saw us play, so I, he probably got the best of both worlds. Like he got to see us play it, and then to be in the band. So now it's, a, you know, I guess it's full circle for him. I don't know. Maybe he hates. It. Maybe he thinks the band sucks. He came down know. from es from Alaska. He looks like an Eskimo. <laughs> 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 trying to get him involved. So yeah. Danny. Tell me what you saw just as a fan of that show because you weren't in the band at the time. Yeah, well, uh, I saw these guys banging their heads like really hard. <laughs> it was like, um, well, I met Pete before that, so 
seeing him right on the stage was really 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 awesome it's like uh the vibe was good i heard the songs like i learned the songs before so i was kind of uh guitar air guitar playing <laughs> in the yeah. crowd and <laughs> it was pretty good I, i i loved it it was awesome now, javier have you been at any shows uh of apathy that you weren't a member yet actually to be honest nah not yet <laughs> oh well actually it's funny though because the it's same hard. show for the ri i was about to go because that was the day of my birthday but then i ended up doing something else so i didn't i didn't get a, a chance to see them but it would have been nice though to see them and then be like wow i saw this great band playing live and then now look at me i'm playing bass for them mm. But what do you think of the album so far? That you, he's actually learning the songs um, right now. <laughs> so far, for the first album, it's really good. I like it. <laughs> it's really like back in the days, thrash and like it makes you head ba make makes you um want to head bang your head like right away. It's really good. What songs on the album have been the easiest for you to learn? Plead of Mercy, <laughs> favorite one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since since we went to the we. When did we go? We went like three days ago to practice. Last week, last week. Yeah, like the first first practice, first song that came out really good, Plead of Mercy. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's getting. He's well. These two are gonna be working on stuff this whole weekend and everything, and uh, get everything going so we can get back out there and do a couple of shows. You know, that's that's we, we're trying to do. We're trying to do like maybe two shows. What in this in this winter? Yeah. Um, we're gonna try to hit Brooklyn and we're gonna try to hit Queens just to do some warm up shows. Get a couple because you know we're hearing people are like, hey man, you know you guys never come out here, so we're gonna try and do a couple shows out there this summer. And, I mean that summer, this winter. So he's got he's got to get up on get up on the speed because our last bass player he decided to quit the band without telling us. We just happened to see it on Facebook. <laughs> that's that's the way people do it nowadays. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you realize about everything on Facebook. Well, like I told the guys, I uh, probably in a week or so I'll be good and ready to go and go back to the shows and have fun. These guys also talk about us in Spanish. <laughs> so, see. Yeah, we we hate the white guy over here. <laughs> It's a lot of abuse. <laughs> That's brutal, man. <laughs> Tell me though, like what is it like for you guys at practice? Like how much time do you put in? And um what do you find the majority of your time is spent on? I mean, we we usually go in. We don't like to stay there more than like three hours, you know. If it goes over that, it's because we're we're stopping a lot to chit chat about the songs. But we really like to go in there and work, get get our work done. We know right now we're writing songs, so we have on our board what songs are written, and we just keep going right down the list to keep until we get to the number we want to get to. So we know we have a goal when we go in that room just to get get the work done. Then afterwards we could drink beers and talk and have all that fun. Yeah, Danny usually likes to drink during practice, but we don't hold that against Danny. him. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his own corner with Coors Light and stuff in the corner <laughs> but yeah we usually go down the line like right now the last album had 10 songs on it we're, our goal right now like, we're trying to hit 12 tracks 12 full tracks and I think right now most of the songs are like what 3, 4, 5 minutes yeah. we don't plan it out that way but they seem to be a little bit longer and it seems like that's what people are more into these days they want those longer songs like right yeah. do you find like after you After you've uh, recorded an album and stuff, do you find like going through that whole album, it goes faster than it was recorded, or you add like little nuances and maybe particular solos and extra words 
and particular vocal parts to it. Yeah, there's that nit- there's that nitpicking part when you're in that studio and you're under the microscope with the producer. He's gonna hear something that you don't hear, and be like, oh, well, why don't we change this here and change that there? And yeah, it could be, it could take a song and make it a little bit longer, you know, and it could change the direction of the song. But I think when we did the first album, we just did a couple things on the guitars, a little different. Um, the lyrics all stay the same, and that's why on this next album we really want to. You know, for Bill and I, what we experience and stuff, what we really want to do is have everything taken care of before we go into the recording process. Because that's money and that's time. So we want to be able to go, nope, this is how it's going to be, this is how we're going to play it, and that's how we're going to do it. Now, speaking about the Metal Alliance tour, you want to get on a few spots of that. What kind of plans are you working on to increase the probability you'll end up on, say, maybe the New York City, Philly, and maybe the Jersey date of that? From our same guy who got us on uh, the Gramercy show with DRI. Eckhoff. Eckhoff <laughs> from Long Island. Uh, he's doing his best right now. And uh, he, he he's this guy. And I'm going to tell you something, dude. You'll see this guy. He's at every metal show. Our, our booking promoting guy. He's at any metal show. You've seen this guy. We show his picture in a minute. You've seen him. Um, he's really, yeah, he, he's really pushing to get us on one of the shows. I, he's saying right now that the Philly show is probably the best chance. Of getting on because I think the New York show is a little uh, it's already it's already slam packed, but you never know. So right now he's really pushing to get us on that, whether it's a second slot or something, you know, on that on that a Metal Alliance thing. Because I think Skeleton Witch might be on it, but they're not sure, you know, because I think they've already filled up some. But and Holy Grail's sketchy. gonna be on there too. Yeah, yeah, I like those guys. I have their demo. I saw those guys like years ago. They're pretty good. For like places you performed in, say uh, Virginia and Arizona. What would you say are some places you feel like you need to hit beyond that? It would have to be South America. I mean, it sounds crazy, but that's like metal haven, metal mecca right now. You know Whiplash from here. Those guys are down in Colombia like every three weeks, you know? And, 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 and Yeah, they are. I mean, every time I look, they're going, you know, I see Tony Post and stuff, and Tony's a good guy. They're always down there in Colombia. I mean, honestly, I think we would probably kill it in, in South America but these guys live down there so I don't know they gotta tell well, us well from what I know like South America is like you're gonna have a lot of like heavy metal people and then you're gonna have like the thrashers so I mean for us it's gonna be like a really good good chance to get a big crowd and everything cause like everybody loves thrash over there if you go down to Mexico you have a big thrashing like Mexico. group and and crew and, and all of that was it like so, 19, is it like the 1980s down there? Because I know yeah, was saying like they go crazy. Like Colombia is like really. Yeah, thrash metal has picked up like really a lot uh, lately. It's like um, yeah, you see like these guys under the sun or even the weather's hot and everything. You see them with their jackets, e- either leather jacket or mm, really denim jacket. Yeah, we just you talking in July heat. Yes, <laughs> talking that's a, hardcore. We're talking, we're talking about uh, ninety. Uh, we don't want to get kidnapped though we're down there. <laughs> you know? We don't want anyone kidnapping us thinking we're like a huge <laughs> band and they're going to get some kind of Shut money. Up, Bill. You know? Yeah, you'll see them with the denim jackets, leather jackets, everything patches all over, like really skinny, <laughs> tight jeans or the sneakers. It's like like Boots. the 90s. Like yeah, 90, I've seen pictures. I was 80s. like, what? It's like, um, yeah, it's, you're going down there. Hyrex loves Peru. Um... Whiplash was just in Bolivia. You see the pictures; it's, it's awesome. So what about for Brazil, though? Oh, Brazil! Ah. Nah, 
Man, it's huge. It's huge. Man, the yeah, scene still? is huge. Yes. The scene is huge. Um, my friends uh, from uh, Warthrush just played with Violator. They were on tour with them. Uh, I think they played in Bolivia too. So, uh, no, it's pretty, pretty big. A lot of big bands down there too. Yeah, if we can get down there, that if we can get down there, that'd be really great. I know money's a factor, but like I said before, if we can get a promoter or someone to back us who really believes in us, I think we could make a lot of a lot of waves real fast and have a good time doing it. You know, South America would be great, and hitting the West Coast, like especially Cal- California, big time. You know, because the thrash metal scene is picking up out there. I've noticed, like same thing in the Bay Area again, even in. Uh, I can't remember. L.A., you know? Yeah. Like, it's really picking up now because the skaters, are, they've walked away from emo, you know? They're getting into the thrash. Walk away from yeah. there. It's, it's, it's picking up, definitely. I don't think we'll play the whiskey, but Bad it's picking piece. up. <laughs> you, you need, need some thrash factor, in your life. The, in, in the city or out in L.A.? A- L.A. Yeah? They're picking up over there? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I went to one show in L.A. at the Knitting Factory, and it was pretty cool. Mm, really? Yeah, I remember seeing uh, some bands at uh, Dia de los Muertos. I heard of those guys. Yeah, like uh, actually, yeah, they're pretty the, good. Them. They're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> one of the singers, like the band has three singers, mm-hmm. and one of the singers, Luana Valencia, I think she actually works for Nuclear Blast Records. Really? Oh, we had a thing with those guys. They they looked at us for a little bit. Nuclear Blast, Nuclear Blast, and Earache looked at us, but no one's called us. <laughs> but yeah, California is seems to be a. For us, that'd be economically smart because we can do it ourselves. But but I think <laughs> if we hit California really hard, San Francisco, L.A., maybe even Oakland, those major spots, it would benefit us a lot. And we're going to try to pull something out of our hat. I'd like to do the Midwest. Why? Chicago, Minnesota. <laughs> he likes the cows out also. There. <laughs> I just and the horses. There's a, there's a big he wants milk. There's a, wide guy. <laughs> there's a big scene out there. And Typical the white guy. And the kids out there are like, you know... They love their metal, so. Have you been to a cornfield lately? <laughs> 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 yeah. No offense, I have family in Kansas. <laughs> well, why don't we get to the Midwest in a second, but have you planned on hitting up maybe Anaheim or Portland or Seattle as well? Because, I mean, if you're going to be in Cali, you might as well hit the whole West Coast, right? I th- I'm a little prejudiced with Seattle. Because of grunge? Yeah. I'd like mm. to. Or- Oregon would be nice to go to, though. Portland? Yeah. Why not? Really? I yeah. heard there's a real haven for black metal over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, what it's are they? dark and gloomy all the time. What are they I doing? It's raining. <laughs> yeah. they're, either, they're either cutting down trees or. I like it dark. <laughs> you're either cutting down trees or what? Sitting in the rain. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no offense. We're just busting chops, but I never thought of, like, Seattle or Seattle, yes, but Oregon, I would have never thought like Portland would be like a big metal spot. Well, for black thrash though, specifically mm. like black metal and black thrash, like there's this festival that I've tried to follow a little bit called the Northwestern Black Circle Fest, and it's just like you know you got people from like the real wild cowboys of black metal from Norway, and also people like Witch Haven, some uh, ex. Witch Haven alumni like taking over like some of the guys in Dismantle things like that. Those guys really dig uh, Portland because just like I feel like even like with Bonnet by Blood, you see them almost like tapping into like Black Thrash, and it's just nobody's really talking about Portland because it's like 
a darker scene, but I feel yeah. like it's an important spot to uh, take a look at. Mm. What about Idaho? <laughs> oh, Idaho is so brutal, man. Got it's a, insane, man. Oh, the Boise. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm so place. hardcore about <laughs> Boise, play, man. Play at, uh, you have no Target. idea, man. Let's <laughs> 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 just go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming while we're at it, you know? Yeah. Stop at, uh, what is it, uh, Jackson Hole. We're going to play it for the hole. I don't know. You know what? Like I said, if we could, if someone needs to give us a shot, you know, because we're very professional when it comes to, you know, if you put us on a show, whether it's Dingbats or the Blue Room or wherever, if you say, hey, man, we. we Champs. Yeah, we oh, need you guys to be garden. there. Yeah, but I'm just saying on a local level right now, you you can go to any promoter or anybody, and they can tell you whether they like our music or not. We're a very professional band. You tell us this is the time we're playing. This is what time we have. We're going to play it, and we're professional on stage. There's no dead air, you know, and I think, you know, there, there are a lot of bands out there that I don't even – they should just break up. I mean, they, they're horrible, some of these bands out here, and I'm like, how do people like them? It's, it's, it's horrible. And when you're on a bill with them, and I'm not trying to sound like a bitch, but it gets insulting sometimes. You know, Beep. you're on a, you're here, you're here busting your chops, trying to give the best show you can. And you're on, you're on stage with these other bands, and you're like, what, what? How are you putting us before them or whatever? And and they're horrible. They're not professional, you know. And it's and it's aggravating. But like I said, if someone gives us a shot, I don't I don't think they'll be disappointed, as long as we don't have to get another bass player. <laughs> cool. See, they're trying to get away from me now. Damn. Now, Bill, tell us about what you really are amazed with with the Midwest scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please tell us. Yeah, it's, not, it's not that I'm amazed with it. What's it's so good about it? I know that when we when we came back from Arizona, okay and we had uh, we had uh, I forget the lady's name that wanted to do the. Uh, the mass production of our album, distribution. the distribution, yeah. all that stuff. She put me in touch with some people out in like Illinois that wanted us to come out there and play shows, kind of like places like like Dingbats here, smaller venues, you know. But the feedback from there, and and watching YouTube videos, and and, and looking at comments, and and seeing other shows that were played there, it was our style of music, and there were always very big crowds. And that's what really what we need. We need to play places that yeah. like our kind of music and are going to be into it because they don't know us. And they're not going to know us unless we go to them, you know? Mm-hmm. But you know how it is. It's still word of mouth. gets you a long way. So, and, and you know how it is in this industry. It's not about, unfortunately, it's not about how good you are because like Pete was saying, there's a lot of really crappy bands that get a lot more things than we do, you know, and get a lot more respect than we do for whatever reason. And we're we're a hundred times better than them, you know. And it's and it's because we don't bring five hundred people in the door. That's that's what it comes down to, you know. Yeah, but isn't at least fifty percent of everything in the music industry promotion? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It is, but but I think too, you know what? And this is what we come across too is that what happens is, um, you know, you play the same place over and over again, and people don't want to come out and see it, you know. And that's something we've learned. Over the last couple of years, is you know what? We're not going to play the same place three times in a year. It doesn't make sense. No one's going to show up. Um, right now, you know, like we used to play Dingbats. Like when we first came out, we were like, man, Dingbats is going to be the venue we're going to play because it was a good, it's a good venue and it still is a good venue. And then it was like, hey, can you guys play? Can you guys play? And we kept doing it, kept doing it. And then me and Bill were like, you know what? Let's not do it anymore. 
nobody was showing up. Like, yeah, at first, tired, yeah. At first, you get a lot of people, and they're like, oh, yeah, we want you to come back next month. Of course they do, because we made the money. You know, and then all of a sudden, next month comes, and there's 20 less people, and then it's less. And the next thing you know, you know, you're playing in front of, you know, 15 people. <laughs> so, the and then they don't care it's if you play. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it went from them loving you and wanting you to be there all the time to, you know what, we, we're going to call you last minute the day of a show and say, we have open slot, can you fill in? Because you're in Clifton. You know, that's yeah. what it really comes down to. And it's like, it's not, you know, we're not saying that about dingbats. We're just saying that about all the venues, not all the venues, but majority of some venues here in Jersey. It's just sometimes you fall into that pit where you play that place and then people don't want to come see you and you get played out, you know? Yeah. And, yes, yeah, so you want exposure. You want to go out and do those shows, but you got to know when to do them. Like, we love playing dingbats, and I like to keep it at doing once a year, you know? And usually when we play, it's either with Whiplash or someone else or it's just a good show. Um, but, you know, playing those places once in a blue moon I think will keep us going. And, yes, promotion is big. You know, you have Facebook. You have Twitter. You have all these things. And even that now is getting on my nerves, even though we still have to do it. I'm trying to pull everybody back to at least going back to websites. You know, we have a website, and I really try to pull people towards the website more than the Facebook page now. Cause what, it's is just, it, what is the website? The website is apathy-nj.com. <laughs> but what about that crazy thing in the 80s people used to call flyers? What's up with that? Oh, they're online now. No one does the flyers anymore. I think I've seen once or twice in the last 10 years, I've seen someone actually put a poster flyer of their band playing in some club. And that, that was awesome, you know? But now you have online. MySpace, you know, started it. Facebook now. We've done flyers. Yeah, we've done flyers. And uh, even some promoters, you know, like Tim from Blue Room. He does some really no, great flyers. Great. He prints <laughs> yeah. them up. You know, that's money, you know? But it seems like... Some people just don't pay attention. It seems like everything is so much involved with social media and online that, yeah, you could promote, 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 but nobody really wants to go out and see you when they can go see you on YouTube. Oh, go on YouTube. Or let's try to find some way to download their stuff. So promotion is hard, and that's why you need good backing, I think. You need someone to really stand by you, whether it's a small record label, big record label. You need that because they're going to know how to really get – because you have someone working 24 hours a day. You know, We can only do so much as four guys. And also, the world we live in now, the people that are listening to radio, for the most part, you know, they're listening to what is being played. This is top 40. You're going to listen to this. Yeah. You don't have a choice. You're going to listen to whatever the stupid guy was on New Year's Eve with that dance. I can't even, don't even say his I, name. I don't know his name, but I can't, <laughs> I can't stand it. But, like, that's what you're – that's not even music to me, in my personal opinion. It's, that's not even music. So now you're not even you don't ha- you don't have someone actually playing instruments or anything. You have a guy out there dancing and probably not even singing, you know. So and so it for for people that actually do have the talent to to play an instrument or sing or do something like that, you know, it it you don't have a chance when you're going up against that kind of popularity. You know, it's hard to get people to come out and see a metal band because you know they want they want to turn on TV and see some silly dance with some Asian guy. You know? Yeah, but I mean, like... <laughs> Asian. Wait, to cut you off for that, um, it's funny how, like, all of them, they sound the same thing. Like, they had the same beat, or, like, one guy steals the same from the other guy. It's like, it's like what the hell? Like, get your own stuff. Be creative, and... Yeah, yeah it's... it's Being what in a band... to writing? Yeah. What happened to actually picking up an instrument and 
play, learn the chords and the riff and everything. Because you could do it on your iPhone now. What would Justin Bieber say? Why? How do you even get into this conversation just now? He'd say, I think you know. buy my <laughs> album and just give me your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's what he says, right? Does he really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't listen But to you know what? At least that kid can sing. At least he could sing. Oh, blasphemy, yeah. blasphemy. Oh, okay, okay now you should Shame on you. <laughs> How did Justin Bieber come into this metal conversation? I'm just saying, we're talking about silly Hey, uh, we're looking for a new drummer? <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh. No, no, just, yeah, the, ju- the new drummer can't have Justin Bieber in his head. No, but I, I think the thing is, too, though, the pop industry, the pop music crowd will never go for the metal people, and the metal people are like oil and water. It's like you can't. You're completely targeting two very different markets, though. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, how are you going to get like a Britney Spears fan to like some Death Angel or you're something not, like that? You know, and the thing about metal fans is metal fans are unlike any other fans. They they like, you know, there's there could be a, a thrash there could be a thrash metal fan. He's like, man, I love Slayer and I love every thrash metal you could name. But if you say some death metal band from Sweden to him, he's like, oh, I don't like that. So there's not that support for for the same, you know. Even though they should really support those guys as well, in the pop industry, everybody's like, it could be from one thing to the other. It's the same crap. You're here and gone. Yeah. You're just popular for the time, and now you're going for. The, but I think all metalheads. I don't care if you're death metal, black metal. I mean, black metal. Like some of those, there's some dudes that are really into that. Like it's a religion, you know. Um, but I think more or less, metalheads a metalhead, no matter what it is they're listening to. I mean. You're gonna like. You're gonna appreciate the music, but you know you have those lifers. I call them. You know, mm-hmm. I consider myself a lifer. You know, I listen to all types of music, but I always still listen to metal. You know, you know, it's just part of me, and uh, that's what's cool about even having the band. Like putting the band together was you gotta be. You gotta. You gotta like metal. You can't be some guy that oh I play in a band and you listen to emo. You know what I mean? It just does, it just yeah. does. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's never gonna work because as soon as I hear you tell me that you listen to emo. You already have a target on your back yeah. to get you out. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you feel like the metal industry as a whole, like, there isn't enough, like, umbrella-type bands to just bring everybody together just because there's, like, oh, you got the Black Thrashers, the Crust Punk people, the Grindcore people, the Black Metal, the Thrash, the Death, the Speed, and then the traditional people, like, into Black Sabbath and Priest and stuff. What do you think there needs to be done to really unite all these different like tribes of metal fans to get behind I, one thing to well, support metal better? Yeah, I I don't know if that's going to happen, but I see how a lot of bands like they do a big thing together like what is it uh we were just talking about. You have uh, Warbringer, you got Municipal Waste, but they're they? all like sharing the, on the same tour. Yeah. Like Five Figure Death Punch. Like I'm noticing these bands and that's like a survival thing like Let's, you know, it seems like that's what they're doing to survive is, you know, you save money and you make some little bit of extra money where, hey, it's apathy in this band and that band together. We're going to tour. And I think a lot of these bands are doing that now because of the money situation and support. Like, hey, I'm going to be, the, I'm the big band. I'm going to bring out a couple bands that I like. Boom. And we could all get that fan base all get that popularity I see that happening we I see were that talking happening. about that right about uh, Napalm Death and uh, Municipal Waste right yeah. yeah that show but I'm saying like, oh, it's like I think there's that support where some bands are doing that now like Muhammad Ali and who was it 
he was like, listen, if you needed some money, he would ask. He would say, listen, you want you want to fight me? Because you know, I know you need to make money. You're an up and coming boxer, and I think there yeah. are bands that are doing that. You know, I you know Megadeth did that with Overkill, um, put them on their Digigantor as an example. Um, even the Big Four was sort of like a, a big umbrella because you know Metallica's yeah, the, Metallica is the biggest thing. You Especially know? getting Anthrax. Yeah, and you throw an Anthrax who were coming back with Joey. So I I, th- I think you're gonna I think it's gonna happen, and I think. Bands like us and a lot of these, the younger generation, I've seen a lot of younger generations wearing Black Sabbath shirts, you know? And so from there, it's just metal. You're going somewhere. You're either going to go Judas Priest metal, or you're going to go Thrash, or you're going to go Death. Or Misfits. So, well, who's it, Misfits? Well, that's more like punk that's metal. Punk. Yeah. Or punk, there you go. But I, 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 see it, I see it happening, and I see it happening more with the earlier generation now, you know, of metal, of, of metal and that whole hierarchy but i don't ever see it being like we're one big giant metal community i don't think that's gonna happen yeah it's, it's like no matter whatever subgenre you are like you're seeing like in the metal you see metal though yeah like you could be a thrasher you could be a whatever black metal and then you see like in the metal you stay in the metal you, you are in the metal yeah they're, they're, you know how some people oh i like metal and then like 20 years from now they're like they're playing blues oh i grew out of it you know i hate those guys yeah, I mean, it, wh- why did he even listen to it if it was, it was popular? Yeah, <laughs> and that happened to a lot. Happened to a lot of people. But I, I see, I see these. There's the younger generation, like eighteen and up. Like they're really in. They're really into the metal. Yeah. A lot of thrash. It, but metal. it's all about money, you know. Like they're not gonna put, like years ago in the '80s and stuff, it was popular to be in a metal band. So record companies at the time, they were scooping up any metal band they could, and putting them on a tour. And those guys made money, and the record company made money, all that stuff. That's what happens now in other genres of music. doesn't happen in metal. Now it's like metal's, like, it broke off into pieces where, you know, there's a thrash over here and death metal over there. And then you got, like, the, what do you call it, bands like uh, Event Asking Alexandria and stuff, too. Yeah. That? Yeah, that that whole like three na- I call it the three legged beast. Like you got your name has to have three words in it, you know. That's what I call <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, I, I I don't know. I just I always grew up with either the band had to have one solid name, or you had two. That's it. You couldn't go past two, you know. Like you have your Anthrax, your Megadeth, <clears throat> then you got Death Angel. See that works. Death Angel. It's Not like now it's, a, it's Not- about like your band something like a girl name and, and basically it. <laughs> or like Three Days Grace, like. Or I I was born yesterday. <laughs> the um the weird band uh, I wrestled a bear once. What the hell is that? Like, I wrestled a bear. <laughs> yeah, I wrestled a bear <laughs> once. Are you serious? That's yeah, but if you listen to the, the mute like the <laughs> like mainstream rock music right now that they play on like on radio stations, they all sound exactly alike. <laughs> exactly alike because that's what their manager or whoever above them are going in the room saying. Here's a Nickelback album. You need to sound like that. And that's it what everybody like that sounds like. Yeah, and that's how it was in the 80s. It was like, all right, you got to sound like Motley Crue if you're a hair band. band. Yep. You know, and if you want to go heavy, you got to sound like Metallica. Yep. You know, that's how it is. That's how it's always going to be. And there are record companies that I've, I've spoken to that are looking for that next Metallica, the next Slayer, because these guys are getting old, yeah. and that's, to them, money. And they're, they're looking for that those bands. What are you for, talking for about? Like people Len- from longevity. Like I'm not gonna, but just record companies like they're looking for the bands that can give them that longevity, that career name drop. Yeah, because 
You know, let's say yeah. we became the next Metallica. Oh, crap, we got the next Metallica. They're going to do everything in their power to get us to be the next Metallica. And what are you going to do when you make the next Black <laughs> album? <laughs> what then, we'll make man? it blacker. <laughs> you won't even see the snake on this album. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do like they did. Like, oh, we have so much money, we don't care. You know, yeah, that's basically yeah. what they said, so. Well, no, I, I think, you know, I think they're still into the music. They did their thing. Now they're just like, ah, what are we going to do? Make the same album we made ten times? No, make Lulu. <laughs> what, yeah, what the hell is that Lulu thing? That's the heaviest Lulu. album I, I ever heard. <laughs> was that with the orchestra? Nah, that's the one with the with that guy Lou Reed. Oh, brother. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I haven't had when my James metal hammer like, magazine. I'm the chair. I'm the table. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I'm the table. I <laughs> I'm mean, the table. That really speaks to me, honestly, because like, who really says proud and loud? I'm the table. He likes the table. That's why he yeah. did. He did. There's not enough support in today's music. For tables, no, <laughs> no, not even for uh, lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just felt a little Midwest on that one. There we go. Yeah. Midwest again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. But yeah, we'll see what happens. See what goes on. Now, like in the television world, you guys appeared on an episode of Big Brother. Can you tell me the exact app? the exact episode and what that shoot was like oh my god <laughs> let me just tell you that shoot was at i think 8 a.m in the morning 7 7 a.m in the morning <laughs> okay so if you got to get up at that time and play heavy metal music in the summer <laughs> dressed in black it sucks and we went there, and we were there for a f- for maybe a couple hours. We lived like five hours. And, uh, <laughs> and but at the you know we did all these takes. You had to play. We had to play the same part of the same song, probably four hundred times. And uh, you know we were in all the shots. And then when the when the episode came out, which I believe was the first episode, the first episode, the opening episode, all you saw was our banner in the background. That's it. We did all that for nothing. Yep. I even give the guy the key. Go, you're you're on Big Brother. That didn't even show up. Nothing. And people are like, oh, man. I went to, uh, it was in Hoboken they did the shoot because the one guy was from Hoboken. Um, and uh, it was at Willie McBride's in Hoboken. And uh, we did the shoot, like Bill was saying, and uh, did the whole key thing. And even the producer of the show. One of the producers and the, and the guys filming it, they loved us. They're like, you guys are good. And he's like, you guys aren't signed because we're not doing signed bands. I said, no, we're not signed. So the guy took our CD and he was like, you guys are really, really good. And all we got was a back he, backdrop. <laughs> On the editing floor. That's yeah. where it ended up. It just said apathy. And then our equipment. I think our equipment got more yeah, airtime than we did. Yeah, My drums were there. <laughs> so those drums you see, they're, they're my drums. So, yeah. yeah, excited about that. So you, you could tell we were a little upset. <laughs> So, what would be something you'd be shooting for for your next television appearance? Right now, we're actually uh, we're actually working on eventually doing like a, a a really good like music video, like a professional MTV style music video. Yeah. Not MTV MTV, <laughs> but you know what I mean, like a a no, real music video. <laughs> That's what we're looking to shoot for. I would like to do Conan O'Brien. That show. I don't know why. It just seems like the right thing to do. He's from the Midwest. That's why. <laughs> so he likes the Midwest. He's like, <laughs> he's like six foot five, too, that guy. Yeah. 
Because it's just six foot five people from the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it'd be great to do this uh, video. And uh, I don't know. We really haven't discussed what would be our next big venture on how to get on TV or anything. I guess we're not the best looking group of guys, so we may not be safe for TV. I don't know. That's not for, <laughs> that's not for us to decide. Maybe that's why we didn't make it to Big Brother. Speak I don't for know. yourself, bro. <laughs> we like to try to get something going down like you know like we said if we can get a big push on the west coast and maybe get some popularity down and out because we had a little following as we when we started out in argentina and uh hopefully we can get that back going again and that's a funny story we had some apathy shirts t-shirts printed out i went to this friend of mine who was a printer i said dude could you do, do me a favor and uh Make some of these T-shirts up. He goes, "Well, how many do you want?" I says, "Make 20. because we were do that. We did our first show at Mont in Montclair, actually, at the Bloomfield Cafe. Yeah. What a hole that was! <coughs> and uh, we wanted some T-shirts, so he made some T-shirts. And his workers, some of them were from like Ecuador, Colombia, Mexico, and Argentina. So when he was out uh, to lunch, some of them made some T-shirts. Like red ones, green ones, whatever. He's like, dude, listen, man, I don't want you to get upset, but some of my workers liked your design and they printed up some of their shirts. I think some of them sent them back home to like South America somewhere. I'm like, I don't care. Cause yeah. for, that's not my problem. They, that's your t shirts. And I started getting emails on MySpace when MySpace was really big. Yeah. And instant messages from like Argentina and such a part of South America. I was like, wow. And I made a good friend down there. We started talking. And, uh, you know what? We got a little little popularity down there but that was a couple of years ago so i'd really like to try to hit south america west coast and europe you know i because i think that's going to help us out a lot so that would be the next big thing video and ship it now if you were going to do a music video would you want it to be just like pretty much footage of you guys playing or like some sort of crazy story or something crazy story, story. with a flash of us here and there but definitely mm -hmm. the stereotypical metal um, video like in some warehouse or something like that, you know? Yeah. Or maybe in the woods like 20 other bands do. Some yeah. black metal looking, right? Yeah, let's just sit in the woods <laughs> and you know how's, how's the guy playing in the woods? <laughs> you know you can't plug nothing in. Exactly. I don't know. That's just, that's just what me. About I'm an idiot. On top of a parking garage. <laughs> like the ones here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's I some Mike's saw. parking garages in New Brunswick. I never thought about doing a parking garage. No, at the top. Well, as long as the wind isn't blowing, it's it was freezing. It's, we won't do it in the winter. I know. I never thought about that. No, because you know what? We'll get ripped for being like U2. Remember yeah. U2 did the rooftop? That wouldn't be too bad if we did a video without telling and the cops come, but then we get in trouble. Remember U2 well, did the video? You know what you do is, like, you get everything set up, and um, you play, and uh, once you see people coming up the stairs, you, you, you pack your stuff up, and you go down the <laughs> other way. <laughs> you got to be fast, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I never thought about it. Right now, we were talking with... Um, you save a lot of money, though, on production costs doing it that you way. You do. You do. But we want to... We you know what it is? We want to see what it looks like. You know, we want to see what it's going to look like. We made an album. We got to go... We made an album. Now we want to see what it... We already have one music video, but it was more like a live thing and mixing. And the girl who did it, actually, she went to school here. The girl who does our videos and stuff like that. Yeah, she went to school here. Can you speak about um, some of her past works on uh, what bands she's dealt with? Not really a lot of bands. She does a lot of television. A lot of uh, she does the Yankees. She does uh, stuff for the Giants. 
She um, works for like CBS or something, doesn't she? No, she does her own thing. But she's, yeah. I guess she's like a contractor. Like they'll ask her to go out and do a couple of things. She's interviewed people in the Yankees and stuff like that. Her name's Lisa. She does uh, what is it? Long Shot Productions. Horesco. Mm-hmm. Long Shot Productions. No, no. Is her last name Horesco? No, it's a uh, Latino. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Yeah, Lisa Marie. Is it Lisa Marie Latino? Or am I messing it up? Yeah, I believe it is. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna call me up. She's gonna text me in a minute. Like what? <laughs> she, she's good. She's really good. She's professional. Yeah. Does she does um, everything? Bands, uh, sporting events, comedy, uh, comics. Friend of mine is a comic out in the cities, and that, that's how we found her. I went to see one of his shows, and he, and she was doing a video for him, and I and she gave me her card. So rest is history. Mm-hmm. So if you go online, sorry, I'm eating beef jerky. If you go on our uh, Apathy website, she did about what two, three years ago. An apathy behind the music, and she, yeah, it was really good. She took shots, and if you can, just check it out. I think you can find it on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's called so, uh, Apathy Machine. No, no, no. There's apathy behind the music. Oh, behind the music. When too, she yeah. does an interview of me, you, and right. Billy, and all those guys. What sort of uh, merchandise do you have available for sale at your concerts, as well as like mail order through the internet? Mail order, mail order, right? T-shirts, you know, patches. We have the pins still. Yeah, we have pins. You know, but obviously you can buy them. the music. Um, no, but the T-shirts are the big ones. Yeah. You know, we have the girl tees. No, like, what are some of the images on these tees? It's the uh, the logo. The logo with the the names. Yep, the master logo, the band. <laughs> Let's go. See, he's undressing right now over here. He's getting naked. <laughs> it's that time of the night. Right yes. next to Pete. Yeah. Yeah, the old one. We have. We also have a. Uh, well, basically, the one that he's showing us right now is the name in the front, and then you have in the back the name and the logo of the band. Yeah. What does the logo look like? Here's the main logo right the, here. This is the logo. It's basically a skull yeah. with flames in the bottom and then two horns on there. It's like. It's pretty brutal, though. Here, I'll give you a freebie. I'll give you. A, we just had these awesome patch. Put uh, this sticker up uh, above toxicology. Toxicology. Have you guys thought about um making any uh, sevens or LPs for your music? Um, vinyl and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about it. We've never really discussed it. Hold on, let me just stop doing this here. Um, we've thought about it, you know. Like I said, we haven't really discussed it. Um, that's something we'd have to probably look into later on. But it would really be cool to see like a vinyl apathy record. I would I wouldn't know what to play it on, but that'd be that'd be killer. <laughs> yeah, rewind killer. it and put yeah. it inside B. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's what I would do. If we can get vinyl, I would go back to doing like backward messages. Like what they used to do like in the seventies. Like to let Zeppelin era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Kiss Kiss did that a lot. Zeppelin did I'm not sure. But yeah, that was a big thing. Like, oh they're satanic. And they had messages if you played the record backward. I would definitely promote that. <laughs> now watch, some band's gonna steal that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You should do that. Too bad you can't do that with CDs. Oh, and what you could do is like put like a special song on the seven so you could like force people to get that album. Mm. It's true. Could do that. It has to be a really good song. Really good song, you know. We, we, we talked about also, you know, I saw an idea. I don't want to bring it up, but 
I saw a thing where it was like it looks like a record, but it's not a record. I'll, I'll tell you on my, I'll tell you when we're out of here. But I saw something and I thought that was cool. People would just be like, "Oh man!" But then when they open it, it's something different. But I won't talk about it online. I'm not gonna oh, give any secrets away. I totally away. know what you're talking about. Yeah. No. Cool. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep some things secret. You have any interest in uh, making cassettes? That's dead. That's yeah. really dead. They actually make cassettes anymore? Yeah, like there's places out in Asia that do that for like some of the uh, black thrash. Really? Like, Witchhaven does cassettes. Also, Ghoul does t- cassettes from Tank Crimes. Wow. I wouldn't, you know what? I haven't seen that you in You got years. some people that live in the jungle that like thrash metal, you know, and they may just only have a cassette player. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I still have cassettes. <laughs> I still have a, I have, I have a, I have a Chevy, Collection. and I have a CD player and a cassette player in it. And I, I have garage days, and I only have garage days on cassette. So I can never get rid of that cassette player in the car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I still have, I have Hello Waits. I have Live Undead by Slayer on cassette only. I I don't, I've never got, I've never found it on uh, CD. Oh, you know? You need to tell that dude, um, Mr. Bassist. Oh, no, that's, no, he's the bass player. Oh, Tell the drummer. Oh, this is gonna be funny. We're gonna have one of those. This is like oh, mega. I need to find the uh, wow. swipe card he's not, he's not now. Going oh, my he's no, oh, he's, okay. Okay. He's I was thinking like you were gonna go out to the bathroom and be like, "Oh man, I can't get in." For well, fourteen, the garbage can or something. <laughs> no, but what we're we talking about the the uh, vinyl. Yes, yes. Well, you know, that's something we'll discuss. See what see who makes any vinyl around here, especially. You know, be a good idea. Even cassettes, but. See, that's the thing, like, you know, you're saying, like, in Japan and all these other places that do it, you know, that's cool. That's news to us. I mean, I've never heard that. i never heard people still listen to Well, I mean, I'm not cassettes. talking about, like, Japan. I'm, I guess maybe more like Southeast Asia. I guess, like, Thailand, maybe Indonesia, stuff like that. I think there's more of, like, a scene for that. Well, if we can get our music out there, I'll, I'll do anything. We'll also, do like, anything. Um, I believe Blood Harvest out in Sweden made uh, vinyl albums for Witchhaven. Really, I mean that's something. Honestly, that's something to look at, to do, you know, and but it's just cool to get it to into the right hands, to get it pushed out there. You know, you don't want to send a whole bunch of cassettes and vinyl, and it sits in a in a box on, in the middle of some, you know, forest somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, something we got to do. It's good research. Mhm. Mhm. So you check that out. Any parting words? Um, just, you know, check us out, Apathy, uh, apathynj.com, you know, we're on YouTube, um, I guess the whole thing is just get ready, you know, we got the new album coming out, Hell is All We Have, uh, and, uh, we got a new bass player, Javier Florencia. There you go, he got it. (laughs) And, uh, just be there, support, and, uh, hope you guys like everything. Buy your stuff. Yeah, support. Even if you don't support us, support metal. This is Pete Wells from Apathy, guitar vocalist, and you're listening to WMSC 90.3. This is Bill Jameson, drummer for Apathy, and you're listening to WMSC 90.3. Hey, this is Daniel Cadena from Apathy, and you're listening to WMSC 90.3. How's it going? This is Javier Florencia. I'm the bassist for Apathy, and you're listening to WMSC 90.3. Any final words? America. <laughs> Midwest. Midwest. There you go. <laughs> I want everyone at home to look out their window and just hold like a cup of coffee or hot chocolate 
Mm. And just think to themselves, America. (laughs) (laughs) Cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. Check us out. Excellent.